0: Lacey in the backfield. And he gets it right side, nothing there. Daniel's in the middle of it yet again. And Nick Perry cleaned up. Giants looking for a stop.
1: What the hell's going on out here? They're
0: going to air it out. Rodgers does this better than anybody.
1: End zone, Cobb, touchdown!
0: R-E-L-B. 1-0.
2: 1-0. and The Packers start the 2017 regular season at 1-0. After a very convincing victory over the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday, uh, the Packers win it in Lambeau 17-9 uh, on the strength of the defense, surprisingly enough. Hello, who would have thought that? Um, but we're going to get into that and a lot, lot more on this show today. Uh, I'm a little under the weather this week, uh, so I'm going to do my best to push through this. I got my got my cough drops ready, uh, and I'm, I'm going to sally forth and push my way through because uh, as bad as I'm feeling health-wise, I'm feeling twice as good about uh, the win on Sunday and uh, the Packers going forward, so I'm ready to do this. I'm Mike, joined as always by uh, my right-hand man, the Mike Daniels to my Kenny Clark. Yes, that's very high praise, folks. The one and only Town Ty. Ty, how you doing tonight, ma'am?
0: Oh, Mike, you're making me blush. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good to be back. After that is some a good very high praise. There. I mean, well, yeah. I love
2: you and all. You're 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 pretty damn good on the show. But uh, man, after what Mike Daniels Whew. did to that Seahawks offensive line on Sunday, uh, you got a lot to live up to tonight.
0: I know, and, and man, it was just amazing. If he is not an All-Pro this year, I don't know what the voters are thinking, but they they ran roughshod over that Seattle offensive line the whole game, and it's not like they didn't have just a complete crap line. I mean, they have Jokel, and Mike yeah. Daniels destroyed him the whole game.
2: Yeah, and they paid a pretty penny to bring in Luke Jokel to play yeah. guard for him, and he was drafted, wasn't he the number two overall draft pick the year he uh, came out as a left tackle?
0: Yeah, yeah, think yeah was, they took him at, at number two at tackle. I think the Chiefs took was it Eric Fisher won that year. Yeah, 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 Fisher
2: was one. Jokel was two, and uh, yeah, Seahawks paid some money to bring him in to play and guard, and he Mike Daniels promptly whipped <laughs> his ass. <laughs> Didn't stand a chance. No, uh, did not even stand a chance. But man, that that the defense as a whole played well. But man, we're we're gonna we're gonna get into Mike Daniels here on the show quite a bit. Um, We're going to go over the news, some very surprising breaking news coming out this week after the game. Uh, We're going to review our stat lines from last week, which uh, it's safe to say we we pretty much nailed it on uh, quite a few of them with our expertise.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're in mid-season form already on the stat lines. Yeah,
2: really. We are the... We're, playing, we're on Mike Daniels' level when it comes to stat lines uh, so far. And then we're going to preview the Falcons game coming up on Sunday Night Football, opening up Mercedes-Benz Stadium uh, for the second year in a row in Week 2 of the regular seasons, the Packers go on the road to open up a brand new stadium on Sunday Night Football. So uh, I don't know if will that be a good thing, will it be a bad thing? We'll, we'll find out. We'll discuss it here on the show. Uh, but first and foremost, we do this every year for our, for our new listeners out there that have uh, just started listening over the summer and since we've joined the Pack to the Future family, um, we uh, every year, each week, we do a uh, NFC North Power Rankings to uh, start the show to uh, to get a good glimpse of how everybody's shaking out in the division so far. And uh, after week one, um, I th- I'll be interesting to see uh, the, the seedings on this because there were some very good performances by pretty much all teams uh, in the NFC yeah. North in week one. So, I'm going gonna, gonna to let you go first with your NFC North power rankings for week one. Uh, who do you got at number four?
0: Well, at number four, and it's honestly, at this point, looking at the, um, the north, this is kind of by default. Because they're the only team that lost their game over the weekend, that Chicago. But man, I'm increasingly impressed with that defense. It's it's going to be something to watch if it continues to develop on the uh, the course it's going. Uh, Vic Fangio has definitely made his mark on it already, the same way he did with San Francisco in his time there.
2: Yeah.
0: And then uh, coming in at number three, I've got the Vikings because I think they are. Still fool's gold. If the Bears had beat the Falcons, they would be three. As I said, just they lost, so it's by default that they're four. I think the Saints may have the worst defense in the league. Again. It is – who, it's bad. I think the uh, the Colts may be the only team to rival them in how bad a defense they played. But uh, I, I think the Vikings are going to end up at four a lot of time this season. So, But they're at three for now. The Lions, I've got at a really solid number two. No, Carson Palmer is not quite what he was even the last couple of years. I think that's plain to see, and they lost David Johnson. I think the Lions are the real deal. And I think they're easily the Pack's biggest threat to the NFC North crown. And then, of course, at number one, I've got the Green Bay Packers with that absolute dominant defensive showing. And then... After the halftime adjustments were made, they came out and really dictated the game at their own pace in the second half against a very strong defense. So right now I think they've got a firm hold at number one.
2: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'll start uh, number four, the Bears. I got the Bears Like pretty much for the same reason that they lost, but yeah. very impressive performance against the defending NFC champs. They came up just short. They should have won that game.
0: I uh, totally agree.
2: They were on the five-yard line, and if it wasn't for, you know, uh, two drops, one from uh, from Bellamy, I think, on first down, and then another one from uh, uh, Jordan Howard uh, yeah. on second down. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I thought the Bears were going in. I thought that was going to be the first big upset of 2017. Uh, you know, I guess it, unless you count the Chiefs upsetting the Patriots, which I guess you could call an Oof. upset, um, which – for those of you who listened to last week's show, and, and Ty had uh, quite a bit of fun at my expense for picking the Kansas City Chiefs to go to the AFC title game, but we'll, we'll, we'll let that simmer. We'll
0: just let that simmer. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> It's a long season. It's a long season.
2: <laughs> it is. It is. It's uh, week one. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll keep that in mind. Keep that in mind throughout the show. But I got the Bears at number four. Uh, at number three, I have the Lions. I think the Detroit oh. Lions... Uh, another great fourth-quarter comeback for Matthew Stafford. He does this, it almost seems like every game, uh, there's a Matt Stafford fourth-quarter comeback. But I got them at number three because I just don't I don't really know uh, what the lines are at this point. The the running game, it still seems like there's nothing there. Um, you know, uh, the rookie that they got, Kenny Galladay, Galladay, whatever his name is, uh, had a good showing, but I don't know if he's going to do that every week. I mean, he's a third round, fourth round guy, yeah. um, and the defense is still a big question mark. So I think beating the Cardinals the way they did was 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 good and all, but I don't think they'll be able to win. You know, they can beat bad teams like that. I don't know if how good the Cardinals will be, like you said, with you know David Johnson going down and, and uh, Carson Palmer uh, yeah. slinging the ball around. So I don't know. I got the Lions at number three, and I got the Vikings at number two. Uh, great showing on Monday night, Sam Bradford. I think statistically played the best game of his career, uh, against, against the saints. And, uh, you know, the running back, Dalvin cook, I wasn't a big fan of him coming out of the draft, but he, he looks like a pretty legit, uh, pretty legit back. He broke Adrian Peterson's uh, single game rookie rushing record. Uh, Uh, speaking of Peterson, good God. uh, Yeah. That's glad, glad Packers didn't bite on that one. Um, but he looks legit. And uh, I think I like, I've, I still like this Vikings defense quite a bit. I think they're going to be really good, and I think the Vikings are going to be the Packers' uh, biggest threat uh, in the NFC North this year. And I got the Packers at number one. And, um, you know, if this defense – if this is the defense we see all year and we can stay healthy, those are the two big two big things. I think the offense is going to be oh, fine. Yeah. But I think if, if we can stay healthy and this is, this is the actual defense we're going to be seeing all year long, uh, this team can go – Thirteen and three, like you predicted last week. Uh, yeah, I, I think. And
0: that. and you know, like I said, the, the hope is that oh my god, and especially if this is the starting point for this defense, that they continue to develop and get better as the season goes yeah. with some of the young talent they have, then sky's the limit. But I mean, yeah. like, like we've talked about, it's week one. There are still a lot of ifs.
2: Yeah, and I mean, you even look at the the rookies they brought in from Kevin King to Josh Jones. Uh, all the rookies that they brought in defensively you really didn't see much of them in this game. So there's still a a lot of X factors uh, on this team. We didn't see Quentin Dial at all who the Packers picked up. He was inactive. So there's a lot of room for growth on this defense and if they continue playing the way they did against uh, Seattle. Was it a mirage? Was it real? We'll find out over the next month or two. Uh, where this defense really sits But I got the Packers at number one And you know there are a lot of national uh, TV shows and, and power rankings and and whatnot That have the Packers ranked number one In the entire NFL yeah, after week I one that. So uh, I think they're for real So the only one we, uh, me and Ty Really uh, we
0: kind of Disagree
2: on there. I guess you'd say Is uh, the Lions and the Vikings I think you, you are more of a believer In the Lions than I am And I'm more of a believer in the Vikings than you are
0: Yeah, I just—I'm just not ready to put a whole lot of stake in the Vikings' offense against that Saints' defense. Now, if they continue to play that well, and Cook continues to play that well, Bradford plays that well, they may win me over. But right now, it's just still early, so this is going to change a lot, I'm sure, during (laughs) the season. But as it will, as it as it did last year, you know. I think.
2: think uh, but, you know, we'll see if the Basement Bears ever move out of that number four spot. I yeah, think they, they will. I it. think they will, too. But I think for different reasons than you do. I think that they will uh, – I think the Lions will be there uh, a little bit this year. But we will see. We will see. I think yeah. it's 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 a tough division this year. Yeah, it's going to be tough.
0: Definitely. Definitely. In the North, it just – it doesn't get the credit that some other divisions do. You know, a lot of people like to credit the NFC East. Mm-hmm. Um, in the past, it was the NFC West. I don't think that's so much the case anymore. Nah, you know, divisions like that, and then the AFC. Really, the only super competitive division over there is the AFC West. But yeah. I think the yeah. NFC North and the NFC South may be the most competitive divisions in football this year. That's yeah, because I don't think watch. there's going to be
2: I don't think there's going to be any real gimme games for the Packers this year in the division. I think even the Bears no. games are going to be tough this year because you go back to last year and the Bears are almost. Beat the Packers.
0: Yeah, they played uh, them hard.
2: Yeah, so uh, and the Bears only got better. So uh, I think I, I think it's going to be interesting. It's going to be it's going to be tough. It's going to be a real fight in the division this year. I think. I so. think.
0: I think this is the year we really see in the in the division the return to some really exciting rivalry games. Yeah, yeah. Because for all the Packers' dominance over the past you know eight ten years. The rivalry games have not been as good. They've won handily in a lot of them. But I think this may be the year, too, we really start to see more of that Packers-Bears rivalry begin to edge more towards center stage as the Bears continue to get better. So,
2: Yeah it's yeah, something I, gotta... I
0: look forward to I like competitive football as much as I love seeing them put up you know forty points on the bears in one half and stomp the hell out of them I still like a competitive game so
2: well I won't lie I'd rather just see them put up forty on everybody every week and then just <laughs> sit there and celebrate for the second half and just <laughs> yeah and get get my game notes ready and all the uh, <laughs> all the stuff ready for the show <laughs> instead of sitting there on pins and needles till the very end for. I mean, you, you saw me, What you saw what I was like watching the damn Cowboys playoff game. I'm I mean, I'm not any different, a I can't say nervous anything. nervous breakdown, but...
0: That's you know. just the fun of it for me, it's like <laughs> watching scary movies. I really let myself get into them, and I let myself get scared because that's the fun of it.
2: Yeah, well, speaking of uh, scary, um, I gotta, let me ask you this, uh, before we get to the news... Uh, who would win in a fight? Mike Daniels or the asteroid from Armageddon?
0: Mike Daniels. <laughs> Mike Daniels wouldn't even have to touch it. He'd stare at it. It would turn around and go the other way. Yeah, he would just redirect it. And, you know,
2: uh, if Ben Affleck and a, and a group of oil rig workers that train for a week to, to become astronauts can can save the planet from the asteroid, right. Mike Mike Daniels could, could literally, like you said, just... just intimidate it to the point where it's like, nah, I'm just going to steer to the right a little bit and uh, head off somewhere else. So, uh, He'd just
0: mean mug it, shake his head no, and it would just go away.
2: <laughs> it would just split in half, just out of courtesy. Ah,
0: <laughs> wrong planet,
2: sorry. <laughs> Wouldn't even have to drill. Wouldn't have to send Bruce Willis up there to die. So No. No. So, uh, Mike Daniels 1-0 on the show so far. So, let's move to the news. <laughs> um...
0: Uh, Surprising Actually, news this week.
2: Yeah, quite a bit of news. And first and foremost, Will Allison is set to return uh, this week after his one-week suspension. And uh, just to get him a space on the roster, we talked about the Packers' possibility of having to cut some guys. We were thinking maybe some of the one of the undrafted or even one of the offensive linemen that they kept. Yeah. Um, you know, but instead, the Packers make two surprising moves. And release defensive end Ricky Jean Francois and cornerback Ladarius Gunter. Uh, I was I was pretty surprised at both of them. I, I could see them letting so go. I. I could see them letting go of of uh, our Ricky Jean Francois just because you know Montravius Adams is going to be coming back. They brought in Quentin Dial and you know their starters that they got and Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry and Mike Daniels are you know they're they're set. So I, oh, yeah. I, I, wasn't, I was surprised they let him go, but at the same time, I was more surprised that they let Ladarius Gunter go, who's a guy they had playing the number one cornerback spot last year, uh, and they were really high on. So uh, what did you make of these two releases, and, and do you feel like this could come back to bite the Packers in the ass? Because Gunter's already you know, been claimed by the Panthers.
0: At first, I was really shocked. You know, because the news came out first, Adam Schefter was reporting that uh, Ricky Ricky Jean Francois had been released by the team. He had been cut, and then there were other reports coming out everywhere saying that he had not been cut. It was Gunter, and then it finally, all the dust settled, and they had both been cut. And, you know, after having some time to reflect on it a little more, I kind of understand it. It's still both surprising to me. But, like you said, they have Quentin Dial, so they must have liked more of what they saw out of him than Ricky G and Francois. Yeah. And if this defense runs like they did on Sunday, we're not going to see very many sets where we see three down linemen. It's going to be mostly a two-man type of deal, and they won't need as deep of a rotation there for that. And as far as Gunter goes, they must be really confident in the improvement of Randall and Rollins, and you know, they've got to like what they have in the, debe- the development of Josh Hawkins, the deep safety group. Yeah. I mean, they've got to like what they've got. And, uh, you know, they they cut Gunter to make a spot for Geronimo Allison. They cut Ricky Jean-Francois to add another offensive lineman from the practice squad. They called up Adam Pankey. Yeah, that's right. To the active roster. And he's a good-sized dude, 6'5", 313, uh, undrafted guy this year and they it was kind of out of necessity because as it stands right now Brian Balaga did not practice Wednesday he um, was not listed so much with the ankle but an undisclosed illness when, in which he was sent home for McCarthy didn't indicate whether he would have practiced or not with the without the illness and Jason Spriggs is going to miss several weeks with a hamstring injury and to top it all off on all the doom and gloom coming out of the injury report right now, um, Ahmad Brooks did not practice with the concussion protocol he's in. Balaga did not practice with the illness. Spriggs with the hamstring. Montrevious Adams was a limited participant with the foot, but the worrisome addition to the injury report was David Bakhtiari was limited with a hamstring injury. Hmm. We thought Balaga last week was limited, and he ended up missing the game. So it's there's a chance we could go into Atlanta with Kyle Murphy and Adam Pankey as our tackles.
2: Oh boy, let's let's not even go there. Um, <laughs> you know <laughs> that what would though, for so what it
0: is, after the first half, Murphy really seemed to settle in and actually played pretty well.
2: Yeah, I thought he played decently, but... And, um, you know, he, he at, gave at right up tackle. a couple
0: sacks. He gave up a couple sacks. Two of those sacks I'm putting on Aaron Rodgers for holding the ball way too long. I don't put all four sacks on the O-line. Yeah. But, and, you know, halftime adjustments were made, and we'll get into that in the game when we start recovering the game, but it's just something to touch on that McCarthy seems already in week one like he's more willing to make the proper adjustments at halftime to come out and take the game into their own hands. So uh, that really does it for the news. And really, before we get into the game, with all the surprises over the weekend, um, the real roller coaster of what Sunday was, who were your biggest surprises in Week one, as far as maybe what team surprised you the most with how good they played and who surprised you the most with how bad they were?
2: Well, I'm going to give you uh, two teams right off the bat uh, from the same game. All right. And and I'm going to say the team that surprised me the most at how well they played would be the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the team that surprised me the most about how shitty they were were the Houston Texans. Yeah. I like Jacksonville's defense quite a bit. Uh, I think they got a lot of good players on it, and they were a top 10 defense last year. They go out and they added Calais Campbell and A.J. Boye in free agency. Um, and they come out and get 10 sacks on the on on the Houston Texans, three fumbles, uh, an interception, uh, and just completely pound the Texans into dust. And I was really expecting it for no other reason than with the, the flooding and then the hurricane and the disaster yeah. of Hurricane Harvey down in Houston – I was expecting for this, especially the Houston defense. That was the big surprise. The Houston defense did not play well at all against Blake Bortles uh, and the Jags. You know, the the Jags offense really didn't have to do much in this game.
0: No, and you know, poor J.J. Watt. That dude, he done dislocated a finger, like, inside of his hand. (laughs) I mean, he can't catch a break at all. It's every time you turn around, he's getting nicked up and injured now. He's... He's like the Texans' own version of Clay Matthews at this point.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's... And you know, I was really going into the game, though, really expecting the Texans to just beat the shit out of the Jacksonville Jaguars in this game for no other reason than just the emotional... Like, you remember, yeah. you remember after Hurricane Katrina and when the Saints came back to New Orleans and just laid it on the Atlanta Falcons their first oh, yeah. game back in the Dome? I was expecting a performance like that from the Texans, but instead they just... They got destroyed by a team... Who won, what, three, four games last year?
0: Yeah, something like that.
2: Yeah, so those are my two biggest surprises. What about you?
0: My two actually come from the same game as well, just a different game, also involving an AFC South team, and that's the Rams and the Colts. Mm. And, you know, granted, I didn't look for the Colts to come out and play – like world beaters, especially missing luck, but they had Scott Tolzien. We know Tolzien's not complete garbage. Oh, he is. He he sure certainly look, looks like it now, but I didn't look, think he would be look, that bad.
2: Look, Scott Tolzien couldn't win a game with the Green Bay Packers roster. You expect him I mean, to win a game with that garbage roster that Ryan Grigson left in Indianapolis? You're out of your mind. I don't think it was going to be
0: this bad. because like, It's a disaster know, it's, it's a, it's in a Indianapolis. It's that... The Colts are the team of my dad and my brother. Yeah. So I hear plenty about it, and out of curiosity a lot of times to have more to talk about and whatnot, I, I look at their roster sometimes, and, who, man. You know, and I thought they had a decent draft. I thought they made some decent pickups on defense. But, man, they are just... <laughs> And I heard some, I heard, I think it was a, it may have been Jason Smith on Fox Sports the other day described them. Uh, it was Jason Smith or Tom Looney said the Colts are an awful organization masquerading as a great organization. And they've Bingo. been able to do that because they got two number one pick quarterbacks in a row.
2: Yeah, you gotta keep in mind, this starts at the top and goes down, it works its way down well, from there. your
0: owner is just snorting blow left and right and crashing his car and whatnot.
2: <laughs> when not hire
0: a competent general manager. When,
2: you're, when your owner is calling uh, former offensive line coach, uh, what's his name, Mudd? Name? Uh, oh, yeah. Howard, uh, Mudd. Howard Mudd. When he's calling him in the offseason asking how the offensive line is looking and Howard Mudd hasn't been the offensive line coach in Indianapolis in, in five years, uh, yeah, yeah, and when your head coach after the, after being destroyed by the L. A. Rams like forty something to nine, when your 46. head six forty six to nine, when your head coach uh, goes to the podium after the game and says that was uh, you know uh, all credit goes to Sean McVay and, and the 49ers, they did a great job. That yeah. organization is uh, a disaster. It's 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 laughable at this Man,
0: point. I just I, and, and I poor was Andrew Luck. Poor Andrew. I was shocked. I didn't think the Colts would go into L.A. and win the game. But I also didn't think the L.A. Rams would hang 46 on them either. Yeah. And some of that goes to their defense. And they do have a surprisingly capable defense. Dude, they got Wade Phillips on that defense now. Exactly. And as they develop, they could develop over the next year or two into a pretty, pretty good defense. And... A lot is still, you know, there's questions about golf, but he was actually pretty efficient in this game against, again, a garbage defense, so he needs to play somebody better for me to put any any stock in him. And you know what?
2: You know the number one reason why the L.A. Rams laid a beat down on the Indianapolis Colts? Out Out of everything else, the number one reason is my boy Cooper Cup. That's all I'll say. He
0: played really well.
2: Yeah, I told you, folks. The Packers should have drafted this dude. He's the next Jordy Nelson. He's the next Jerry Rice. Know, He's White Rice. Cooper Cup.
0: And, you know, he. we hoped for him. We wished for him. I was rubbing the magic lamp trying to wish for him, <laughs> him in the offseason, and we just, instead, we just didn't get him.
2: Instead, we drafted two wide receivers that didn't even make the damn team.
0: So, yeah, right. So there you go. But, man, Cooper Cup's going to be – I'm going to say it. He'll be in the Pro Bowl next year. Yeah. I don't think it'll be this year but next year he'll be in the pro bowl. I don't doubt that at all. I think he's got that kind of talent. But yeah, just how lopsided this game was for two teams that I just I just didn't see this coming.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't think anybody did. But you know, like we said it's week 1, so there's there's a lot of surprises in week 1. But, I, but I'll tell you, know, you what though. Think, one last thing, I'll I'll tell you this though. Uh, I'm, not, I'm 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 not a Dom Capers hater. I know a lot of people are just like fire Dom Capers after no, every game. I'm not, I, I'm not a Dom I Capers think... hater, but if Wade Phillips was available and I was the the, uh, the head coach of a team, I would I would drop kick Dom Capers out of my locker room to bring in Wade yeah. Phillips to be my defensive Dude, coordinator.
0: <laughs> and we've talked about it before. Wade Phillips is a head coach, eh? Mediocre. I yeah. also think he got a, a raw deal in Dallas because Jerry interfered so much. Yeah. But as a D coordinator, <laughs> good God. The dude, everywhere he goes. Every defense he touches is awesome. Exactly.
2: Going all the way back to the Buffalo Bills, the last time they they had a, a dominant defense, it was Wade well, and, Phillips. He was the head coach of that team, wasn't he?
0: And I've made no secret about it. I feel the same thing would be true with Rex Ryan. I think he yeah. needs to stay away from a head coach's clipboard for the rest of his career, and if he ever returns to coaching from broadcasting, if he were to come up as a D coordinator, especially to bring that 3-4 into a place... I'm by coach Capers. I'm I'm bringing in Rex Ryan. Oh, in a heartbeat. I would welcome yeah.
2: him with open arms. With open we arms. We do not even have to change personnel.
0: We already have the no. personnel. <clears throat> but but you know what? This is not a knock on coach Capers. Fantastic job on Sunday. And I'm so ready to dive into it.
2: Yeah, let's get into it. Packers beat the Seahawks and and as I predicted, a very low-scoring game, 17-9. A little bit more low-scoring than I expected. I mean, it was what? 3-0 nothing at halftime. The Packers were down, uh, you know, after that Yeah, and ridiculous. And you know what?
0: That field goal was a product of some awful clock mismanagement in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was thinking that at the time, too, but yeah, I, I I could kind of see what McCarthy was trying to do. I mean, McCarthy's known to do this. He does this all the time. It's nothing well, new I mean, for him. I mean, I get what he was
0: trying to do.
2: Especially since, you know, uh, Mike, Mike Michael Bennett and uh, Cliff Averill and some of the more impactful defensive players had already yeah. gone into the locker room. If they could get another possession without, you know, couple of those guys, that would be a, that would have been a real coup for the Packers, but it didn't turn out that way, and the, the Seahawks went down yeah, and yeah. got a fluky three points, and, and it, it was all Packers after that, so I'm fine with it, but uh, starting out with the stat lines, uh, I'd say we we're both 1-0 and on week one, but I think you probably had the better day uh, overall from top to bottom, uh, just because you were pretty much on point uh, with one of yours. Um, but last week we uh, started the uh, 2017 regular season version of stat lines. Uh, my prediction I went Mike Daniels, uh, Martellus Bennett, haha Clinton Dix, you went Aaron Rodgers, Ty Montgomery, Mike Daniels. And uh, the one I was probably spot on the closest with was Mike Daniels. I predicted he would have uh, three solo tackles, one and a half sacks. He finished the game better than I expected. I thought that would have been a pretty dominant performance by Mike Daniels, but he yeah. far exceeded that. Uh, five solo tackles, seven total, one and a half sacks. Nailed that one on the nose. Uh, and a forced fumble of Russell Wilson. Yeah, And,
0: and, and for any of our, our newer listeners, we've talked about this and the difference between 3-4 four linemen and four, 4-3 linemen. These are not the type of numbers that you're gonna see a three four five technique d end put up yeah unless you're Guys jJ in are generally space eaters yeah but obviously that's not the case with the nitro package so hats off to you there man beast <laughs>
2: the man beast beasts uh. So, I got, that was probably the one I got the closest on. My next yeah. prediction, Martellus Bennett. I figured he would have a, a nice little breakout game in his first, uh, first game of action with the Packers. Uh, I predicted he would have four receptions, 66 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, he ended the game with three receptions for 43 yards. Didn't get that touchdown, um, but... He was productive nonetheless, especially at the end of the game when uh the uh the Seahawks defender took a shot,
0: a late shot at Aaron Rodgers and he uh
2: he had no uh <laughs> no part of it. What do you think of that?
0: <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was awesome. And, yeah. and you know, he may not have got the stats, but boy did he draw a lot of attention away from other people.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Especially Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb had a big game. We'll talk about that oh, here yeah. in a little bit too. Uh and then my third Stat line prediction for Week One. Ha ha, Clinton Dix. Um, my prediction was he would have two tackles and one interception of Russell Wilson. Finished the game with four tackles, zero interceptions. Didn't get that interception, but he over uh, he uh, exceeded my expectations uh, with the tackles at least. Uh, played well. Yeah, played played a very well game, as did the whole defense. So, uh, so I guess out of those three, I would say I was one and a half out of three. But pitching about five hundred there, I guess. Um, uh, but on to your stat lines. You were, you had that, that DeLorean cranked up. The crystal ball was humming
0: last week. <laughs> Me and Romo were driving around in it together, you know?
2: <laughs> oh, dude, shout out to Tony Romo. We gave him some shit about him joining a broadcast booth last week, but, uh, that dude psychic. is the psychic play-by-play, best play-by-play guy I've ever seen because he would literally call a play. If you haven't seen it, there's a video. Uh, I think I've shared a video or something on my oh, Twitter page. It's amazing. He's just like, here comes a run to the left, and I'll be damned if they don't run to the left. Uh, this will oh, be. Yeah. Uh, he's checking into a passing play. He's probably going to pass it to, uh, if the safety comes down, he's throwing it to Cooper. I'll yeah. be damned if he doesn't throw it to uh, Cooper. safety doesn't come down, Lynch throw it to Cooper.
0: I, I love Tony and Romo. You I'm going to have what? fun watching him this year. Oh, yeah. And and you know what makes you wonder? If Tony Romo's that good at it, could you imagine Aaron Rodgers in the booth? <laughs> good God. Uh, it kind of makes me wonder what Jay Cutler would have
2: been like. If he would have been the complete opposite, he would try to call something and it would just go the completely opposite direction.
0: <laughs> I feel like Jay Cutler would have been in the booth with a scotch in one hand and a cigarette in the other.
2: <laughs> Unfortunately, we won't get to see that for at least another year. Um But yes, you were the Tony Romo of stat lines last week. Uh, You started your predictions with Aaron Rodgers, AR-12 himself. You predicted he would go uh, finish the game pretty efficiently. 28 of 36, 275 yards and two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Actually finished the game 28 of 42. You hit the completions right on the nose. Uh, 311 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He did throw that interception, which was a bit of a fluky interception. Yeah,
0: it was a, a freak play.
2: Yeah. Um, but you, you're pretty on the spot there with your, your completions and, and just the uh, uh, just the efficiency of it. He threw for a little bit more yards than you'd expect. But, uh, I'm fine uh, with that. Yeah, I'd say that was a, pretty, a damn good day for Aaron Rodgers against probably the best defense and best secondary in the entire league.
0: Just save save the time Montgomery one for last. I want to relish that one.
2: Alright, alright. We'll move on to your Mike Daniels prediction. You predicted Mike Daniels would have four total tackles and one sack. Uh actually finished a game, seven total tackles, one and a half sacks, one force fumble. He uh he just outplayed all of our wildest expectations because I was and expecting him to have one. a big game.
0: <laughs> and one Kamehameha
2: <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So uh and outside of that your final stat line prediction this one was just i saw the stats on this and i was just like oh my god i got to do some quick math and i was like oh my god he was three <laughs> years off you predicted ty montgomery 90 yards all purpose one rushing touchdown finish the game 93 all purpose yards one rushing touchdown three yards off from the perfect prediction how are you feeling are about you- that
0: you better believe I—I I had my phone open, I had my bleacher report going with live stats, and I was like, "Oh my God, he's so close, he's almost there." I was—I was, I was just—you were almost hoping for—you
2: were almost hoping for a three-yard loss at some point. At one point, at I mean, the I end was of the game,
0: Shelby on the leg going, "He's almost there, he's almost there." She's like, "What?" I'm like, "Tom Montgomery is almost exactly what I predicted he was going to get. He's so close to getting ninety yards, and he's got the rushing touchdown."
2: Yeah, maybe this is uh maybe this is his payback for you for believing in him so much in that week three preseason game where you thought he would have like two hundred and some yards on five carries or, or whatever oh, it was. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he knocked that one out of the park. So I would say week one goes to you. Uh, all your predictions were. were Pretty damn spot, spot on and close. Uh, I thought I played b- pretty well this week, but uh, man, that time Montgomery, that, that's that's a rarity, folks, when you can get that close on these predictions, especially in week one when you have no idea what's coming. It
0: may never happen again, but I'll yeah. take it as it did. Exactly. So take a bow. Take a bow. I'm just imagining Ooh. you
2: taking a bow. All right.
0: I took a bow. You're good.
2: All right. Before we get into the game, though, let's uh, – uh, I got uh who'd win in a fight, Mike Daniels or the iceberg from the Titanic?
0: Mike Daniels, that ship would still be floating <laughs> if Mike Daniels <laughs> was on there. He'd have done jumped in the water and punched it out of the way. Yeah, I think this would this would be interesting if Mike Daniels was ever
2: you know just just going for a swim in the northern Atlantic and and comes upon an iceberg. He would you know the, I don't think the iceberg would really stand a chance. Mike Daniels would do more damage than global warming uh, on the iceberg. Uh, Mike
0: Daniels would be using the remnants of that iceberg as the rocks in his scotch.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, uh, Mike Daniels, 2-0. Uh, asteroid from Armageddon, iceberg from Titanic. You are uh, no match for the Man Beast, <laughs> Mike Daniels. But let's get into the game. Um, the Packers win at 17-9. Uh, defensive struggle, as we talked about. Uh, first and foremost, what I want to know,
0: we, we really hyped this up last week. and We were excited to see it. Where was Eddie Lacy? Did did he play um getting stuffed in the backfield? <laughs> I swear he got like 5 carries and 5 carries for 3 yards.
2: Good lord, are you how happy are you that will we that he signed with Seattle and just and took that took that mess and up dude, to the Northwest?
0: On the flip side, they treated Montgomery like a workhorse back. And no, I mean, he didn't blow open the yards, and nobody was going to against that front yeah, because they were playing run a lot during that game. But, man, Montgomery, he he did what he needed to do. Eddie Lacy wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. And Especially with Mike Daniels in his face, and Jake Ryan made a hell of a hit on him at one point. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And we saw that 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 collision in the backfield at one point too with Daniels and Lacey. and Daniels just that's where he gave the uh,
0: the what you call it go ahead and do it the Kamehameha wave from Dragon there Ball Z. There you go. <laughs> yeah. After yeah, Stephen Lacy the up and called it a Street Fighter celebration. That was no Hadoken. Oh Lord. We should we, we well, maybe know.
2: we can get them banned from Twitter for um, uh, false representation. Right. So, but yeah, I was surprised Eddie Lacey... Uh, just really didn't see much. I think Chris Carson, whoever the hell that is, uh, yeah,
0: he was there. He's a he's a rookie. I mean he he was more effective than Lacey, but really, Seattle's entire offense was just garbage.
2: Yeah, uh, and that that brings me to a question: Was uh, it does was this game more of a product of how good the Packers' defense? is going to be this year or a product of how bad the Seahawks offense is going to be this year.
0: Okay. Well I think we're definitely going to find out in week two uh, the answer to that question. But I I want to lean more towards I want to lean more towards the Packers defense being improved. Well of course. I mean they give they give Seattle fits at Lambeau Field anyways. Yeah. So I mean that's that's just kind of part of the deal there. But and Mike Daniels said it. He gave credit. Him, I think Nick Perry might have mentioned it, and Clay Matthews. Some of those pressures and sacks, a, a decent deal of them, were coverage sacks. And I don't know if they were just being nice, but to me, the coverage looked really good. Yeah, I think every everybody on the defense played well,
2: and you can you know it starts up front. Russell Wilson. Especially up the middle, didn't have much time. He, oh, he right off the harassed. bat, right off the bat, on the very first series, Nick Perry almost got home for a, for a sack. I yeah. think it was just an incomplete pass. In the very next play, Nick Perry finally got in there and got the, get the got the sack that he missed out on in the last one. Uh, yeah, it was, that
0: contract uh, it looked real good on Sunday. Yeah,
2: looked very looked worth uh, all the money in the world. And you know, Kyler Fackrell played, played very really well. well. <laughs> they had him
0: rushing from inside quite a bit. I, I thought that looked really well. I think and you know I noticed that that was almost a de facto psycho package that we have not seen in in a few years with just one down lineman. Yeah.
2: Yeah, they did that. They I feel like they did that quite a bit in this game where you didn't really did know who was times. coming where. They
0: they ran almost exclusive <clears throat> nitro package. I think they lined up outside of the nitro maybe four snaps in their base 3-4. Yeah. The rest was all nitro package.
2: And what did I tell you last week? You were talking about Jimmy Graham. And being oh, worried about Jimmy Graham, I was, I was Graham.
0: just about to give you credit for what I tell you, Morgan, Morgan Burnett made him more lock.
2: <laughs> Telling you, Burnett can can lock down Jimmy Graham. I, I ain't worried about that big bastard. But uh, you know, we'll look at looking at the offense here. I, I think we can talk about how good this defense is here in just a little <laughs> bit. But are you worried at all about the Packers' slow offensive start? Because halfway through the game, I was like, this this is very reminiscent of the Packers uh. in the first 10 games last year where it didn't seem like the receivers could get open it didn't seem like they could get anything going the the play calling was very predictable at times it seemed like um, how are you feeling about the Packers offense right now they only were able to put up 17 points one on a uh, on a free play uh, one touchdown on a free play and then one touchdown uh, after the the Mike Daniels strip sack and they had it they started at the 6 so
0: it wasn't like they they really performed all that well Uh, I mean I'm not really worried to be honest I think it's week one guys really you know your starters they don't play in the preseason anymore Yeah. even the little dress rehearsal game is not much of anything so there's still a lot of rust there and yeah I thought the opening they were a little predictable Um, generally the first maybe ten plays of a game are usually scripted yeah, just to try to get some tendencies going, see. Well, what their, your their first doing.
2: drive looked really good. Like they well, were and that's
0: that's the thing is it seemed like that's where the rust came into play is every time they got moving something happened like the botch snap, different things like that. Mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier um it took Kyle Murphy a little while to settle in, but once he did, I feel like he got the nerves shaken off and really played a pretty pretty good game, especially in the second half. And I'd credit Rodgers with at least two of those sacks just for holding the ball too long and not wanting to make a decision on a, a check down or anything because he did have some guys open that he just didn't go to Yeah, a few times in the game. That does that I worry you?
2: Because it seemed like, and this is, this, is a, this is a criticism I've had of Aaron Rodgers in the past, of one of the few, Yeah. but when he throws an interception, he becomes tentative after that. He becomes almost yeah. like, oh, God, and I better not throw another one. <clears throat>
0: And I made a note of that, because he took that interception really hard. Yeah. You know, throwing the helmet and whatnot. But um, I, I did mention earlier, too, they made adjustments at halftime, which is something, especially during the losing streak last year, that they seemed to struggle with. They did not make adjustments, really, any last year to do anything. And I think in the first half, and McCarthy even talked about it, they planned originally to come out and try to run a little more, but the Seahawks came out in their base 4-3 trying to, you know, maybe stop the run a little bit and didn't want to let them get in the groove, so they just went pass, 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 pass. Yeah. In the second half, and these are McCarthy's words, we made our adjustments at halftime and started dictating to the defense more what we wanted as opposed to letting them dictate to us what they wanted us to do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what you have to do if you want to be a winning team. A lot of people like to say, oh, in today's NFL, you take what the defense gives you. It's not the 60s. You don't take what you want anymore. I call Bull on that because the 2011 Packers, that offense took what they wanted every week. Yeah. And the 2014 Packers a lot of times did. (laughs) This is a team that has the talent to do that. And I think once they move to a a quick passing attack in the second half, that really started to open things up for them in all phases.
2: Well I think they, getting the lead really like getting the lead really helped them take control of the, oh yeah. their the offense and do what they wanted to do because, you know, once you have the lead and you realize that your defense is playing pretty damn well against the offense and holding them to, to little, little to nothing, you know, then you can kinda, you know, slow it down.
0: You don't feel like you have to force the issue.
2: Exactly. Then you can kind of play your game. And I think the fact and that they didn't score throughout that first half, it was almost a little frustrating to them because it looked like they were going in to score at least a field goal on that first drive.
0: And John Ryan put them in horrible field position. That's true, too. That whole first half. They consistently started in awful, awful field position. Yeah. But, I mean, speaking of the punters, Vogel played really well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had no issues with with what Vogel did. No, not at all. I thought he played well. Um, You know, they they did, you know, like we've talked about the past couple weeks, Packers aren't planning on going three and out a lot, but they did quite a bit in this game. And
0: again, I think it was against what may end up being the top defense in the league this year, and it was week one, so you're still shaking off rust. I mean, I don't think
1: we're not gonna know what this team is, team is until is you
0: know we
2: until going into you know October oh uh, yeah the end of October until teams really you really get to see what a team is but you know yeah this 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 defense is one of the best in the league every year if not the best every year. Yeah. So you know, it was it was a bit of a dogfight. You knew it was what it was going to be. At least I did. Well, they don't like. That's what friends. I was expecting. Yeah, we saw that from the get go when when Jeremy Lane got ejected. What did you think of that? When Jeremy Lane got ejected, do you think that was warranted or or you was know, it just the the officials saying, "Look, we're not going to have this in this game"? You know, just just everybody calm the hell down. To
0: mute my TV because I really can't stand Troy Aikman and Joe Bug. Um, <laughs>
2: We are well aware of that. You know,
0: I, I think I think Adams was slightly at fault for inciting that. I don't think he slung Jeremy Lane to the ground like Aikman tried to say that he did, but no, Jeremy Lane didn't flat out throw a punch. But he threw his elbow into the chin and throat of Devontae Adams and pressed him there. Yeah. Which was unwarranted and uncalled for. And it's up to the, it's the official's discretion of whether or not to eject somebody, and I think in a game like this, where you have two teams that genuinely can't stand each other, this, this crew may have wanted to kind of nip that in the bud right away. And, I mean, you still got David Bakhtiari walking around with a black eye, because Cliff Averill shoved his hands up under his face mask and tried to poke him in the eye. Yeah. That didn't get called, so... Yeah, you know, uh, you think you think Jordy the, got
2: Adams and and Jeremy Lane. Adam Jer- Lane was a bit, uh, still a little salty last year when Adams burned him for that touchdown at the beginning of last year's game. It's probably a little bit dude, of bad blood. Whole there, team
0: is salty. Every one of them are salty. And I mean, there's a lot of history there between yeah, and, these teams. And, you know, the people want to complain about the refs. The whole game, all that Troy Aikman did was complain about the refs. But there were a lot of miscalls both ways. I mean, they can say that Jimmy Graham got mugged in the end zone. I don't think that was a catchable ball, so I think that was a good no call. But then the pass to the sideline, Jordy Nelson got mugged. Yeah, trying to catch that ball, and there was nothing there. I mean, that defender threw himself. The refs himself just, just into let him Nelson. play. If you, if you're bitching about, and, look,
2: if you're the Seattle Seahawks and you even want to even consider bitching about the officiating in this game, and act, Mary, exactly, and act like it cost you the game. Bitch, please. Fail, Mary. That's all I got to say. Karma's a bitch. I'll tell you just like I told Dwight Schrute on, on Twitter. Karma, bro. <laughs> <That's all that. laughs>
0: well, it's like you put up the poll on our Twitter account for the MVP of the game, and we had two Seattle fans somehow sneak in there to troll and say zebras and refs. I couldn't let that go because those tears were running awful salty. Look, I mean,
2: we've, be- we've beaten Seattle three games in a row over the last three years now.
0: We're eight zero versus Seattle at home.
2: Yeah, so if, if you're gonna if you're gonna blame the officials on losing a game, look, we got the Packers have more of a right to do that than anything because we literally. Literally, the officiating cost the Packers a game, and the officials came out after the game, after the Phil Mary game, and said, yeah, that was the wrong call, Packers actually should have oh, yeah. been an interception. So I, I don't want to hear about officiating. I don't like talking about officiating in games much at all. I try to avoid it because it's just, yeah. it's just part of the game that you can bitch and complain about all you want, but it's just, it's just these- bad calls are going to get made you know on it's, every it's human error yeah human error and you know what i appreciate a little bit of human error because in, in a time in a day and age where humans are more and more trying to eliminate human error by by computerizing everything and making everything just rigid and and i appreciate a little human error every now and then <laughs> you know I
0: mean, you know what back in the day people just used to accept the calls there was no instant replay. Yeah. There were no coaches' challenges. There was no booth to go stick your head under and see if a, a call was the right call. There was no iPad. officials made the call, <laughs> and that was that. You accepted it, and you moved on. Yeah. It wasn't a topic of discussion on Monday. It wasn't the front page of a paper.
2: Yeah, it's... I don't know. I, I'm okay with, with the officiating. You know, there were bad calls on both too. sides. There's bad calls in every game. You just You just got to move on. Deal with it.
0: But, but, you know...
2: No official in, know. in the entire world. No bad calling in the entire world. I don't care. You could go back and get the officiating crew uh, from the Fel Mary game. Uh, nobody was slowing down the man beast, Mike Daniels. I mean, nah. Mike Daniels in this form. Who who would win in a fight? Mike Daniels or the truck from Duel? <laughs> Mike Daniels.
0: <laughs> they call him the I've, Diesel.
2: I've said it before. Mike Daniels would back down a Mack truck, and uh, oh, yeah. the truck from Duel would be. I mean, that, that it would. It would. It wouldn't even be close. Uh, you know, uh, Mike Daniels. Would, he could stiff arm the grill uh, of that truck, and it wouldn't even be funny. But Mike Daniels did have what a performance by Mike Daniels
0: was. This the best performance of Mike Daniels' career? Do you think? You know, up to this point, I think so because he took over that game. He did. From the very start of the game. I mean, he lived in that Seattle backfield this game, and it didn't matter if he was double teamed. He was whooping Luke Jokel the whole game on single team. He was just there. I mean, he had four pressures to go along with his one-and-a-half sacks. Yeah. that he almost hit home.
2: I I mean, I got to – to me, this was the best performance of his career. Watching it. Uh, every every play Mike Daniels was in on it. He was either pressuring the quarterback, sacking the quarterback, hitting the quarterback, tackling the running back. Mike Daniels seemed like he was in on every play. It, you could even hear it when Troy Aikman and, and and Joe Buck would call it. It would be like, Mike Daniels, there he, there he is again. And it was he was the focal point of this game. He was the story of this game. And I <coughs> as good as he's oh. been throughout his career, that's the, I think that's the very first time that he's ever just been, like, the dominant player. Yeah.
0: Well, and, you know, I read some stats, too, talking about that. He saw a lot of third-down snaps. I imagine. And that's <laughs> – traditionally, he hasn't. He's been more of a first- and second-down player, and they've taken him out on third downs a lot of the time. I mean, you look at some of the other top D tackles in the league, they play – you know 80 and 90% of their team's third down snaps because they're that important they're dominant last year Mike Daniels only played i think something on like 49% of third down snaps as odd as that is to think about
2: i that that's going out the window the pressure he can cause up the
0: middle oh yeah that's and you know what man and it may just have been the seattle line i don't know but mike daniels with a healthy Nick Perry and a healthy Clay Matthews is a nightmare. Because, yeah. you know, Perry got home, but there were several times that Clay Matthews was right there. Yeah. I,
2: I, the, the defense overall, I mean, there's video, we're talking about Mike Daniels putting a weapon on Luke Jokel. There's video out there of, of Nick Perry knocking knocking the hell out of somebody. Out of an
0: offensive lineman to get to the quarterback. Oh man, his bull rush is nasty. Yeah, but he's he's got more moves now. He's not just a one trick pony anymore. He's developed a lot over the past few years and and you know what else surprised me with his defense? Looking at the snap count, is Jake Ryan only got six snaps? It was primarily Blake Martinez. Hmm. And I think I think some of that comes from. Martinez's development, him being more of a chase linebacker, a little bit more of a cover guy than Ryan. Yeah. Because Jake Ryan, he got most of his early. uh, And that's got to
2: be a product of of them using the Nitro package quite a bit too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and
0: it was really him and Morgan Burnett playing right there in the middle through almost the whole game. Yeah. And Martinez seems to have really developed into a more all-around linebacker that we hoped he would be. Um, he got washed out on one Russell Wilson scramble. There was a draw on a scramble. It was the scramble going into the end of the first half. He got washed out on. But that was really the only negative I saw from Martinez on the day.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's just that, very few negatives about the defense. I mean, we'll throw, I'm sure next week we'll, we'll, we'll be able to point out quite a few negatives on the defense yeah, I mean, playing, be playing the Falcons. But, uh, but, you know, week one, uh, I'm – I'm very impressed with what I saw. And if Mike Daniels can – if this is what Mike Daniels is going to be all year long, yeah, you you got to put him in the conversation Ooh. for a defensive MVP. I mean, yeah. I've seen probably the most dominant perfor- defensive tackle performance that I've ever seen in my lifetime was Albert Haynesworth with the Titans in 2008. That, that dude literally
0: – Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was nasty. Took
2: that team and made them the best defense in the league on his own. Just, Just – the push that's how he earned that hundred million dollar contract and went to oh, yeah. Washington and did nothing yeah. off that one season. But he was unblockable in, in every game he played, and Mike Daniels looked like that, uh, reminded me of that a whole lot in this game. So
0: And you know, this team they have shown some speed and tenacity in this week, you know, week one contest with the defense that we have not seen with them in so long because every time an offensive play was run, there were three, four guys rallying to the ball carrier or to the ball while it was in the air Yeah, every time. And one of the most impressive plays of the game for me and one that just will stick out forever was the deep attempt down the sideline in which the, uh, the receiver, I can't remember who it was from Seattle, I think he was a younger guy, he was hit in midair. Darbo. Yeah, Darbo. He got hit in midair. Turned upside down, and
2: carried out of bounds.
0: onto Kentrell Bryce's back, and then carried on out of bounds by Clinton Dix and Morgan Burnett. <laughs> and it was like, "Good God,
2: <laughs> gotta love that!" Uh, the elimination was, of that force out rule now, too. <laughs>
0: oh yeah, well, and that would not have even been a catch under the force out rule. Really? I, I, because, I think I think mean, it could have been. Well, there was no clear indication that he was coming uh, down in bounds. And he didn't hold on to the ball when he hit the ground oh, anyway. Yeah, that's
2: true, too. That's true, too. I've so that wouldn't more. have
0: even mattered. But still, just for all three of those guys to rally to that ball so quickly while it was still in the air and do that, mm-hmm. it was just impressive.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, impressive performance all around by the defense. Offensively, uh, you know, there, there may be a little bit of work to do, but if this defense plays the way they do, the Packers don't have to go out and score on every drive like they have and uh, for the past however long, forever, you know. Yeah. But I think I think as time goes on, I think especially with Allison coming back. Uh, oh yeah, I, yeah,
0: it's gonna be because he's he's made it a point that he doesn't want to be a possession guy. He he said it slowed down for him a lot, and he's gonna. You saw it in preseason to make some too. Guys miss. Oh yeah, he looked like a tall Donald Driver.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I, I mentioned that where I was like, yeah, hey, he's got some Donald Driver in him. Who? So.
0: Congratulations! Has been uh, made eligible and actually nominated in the first uh, first round of nominations for the foot- Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yeah. Do Do you think Do you Do you think Driver would get in? I think there's a chance. Um, he's he's not going to be a first ballot guy. Yeah. Uh, that won't happen. But I think there's a chance. They yeah. smile on receivers in the Hall of Fame quite a bit, so I and think especially, a chance. I think he Especially
2: one like Donald Driver who had just has a clean slate a of story. history. Yeah. And just uh, you know uh, Well and
0: he's I got a question he's though. I thought of a I, lot of historic moments. Speaking so. of
2: Hall of Fame, I got a question. I was thinking about this the other day and uh yeah. I wanna get your take. Do okay. you believe that Wes Welker should be a Pro
0: Football Hall of Famer. Ooh, that's a that's a question, isn't it?
2: <laughs> I was uh. thinking about this the other day because I heard every time a commentator or something says, "Oh, he looks he looks like he could be uh, he looks like he could be the next the next Wes Welker," uh, in, in terms of in referring to being a great slot receiver, I think did Wes Welker? I may be wrong on this. You may be able to point out somebody else, but it, to my recollection, for me, Wes Welker was the first. He, he made the slot wide receiver position famous. Yeah, he made it, he made it you a know, thing.
0: And and I, I like for people to remember, and I think some of the the voters need to really remember. This is the Hall of Fame. It's the Hall of the Famous, not the Hall of the Statists. Yeah, stats do not tell the whole story, and you have made the great point many times over on this show that I think really describes it the best especially when we've talked about Jerry Kramer who is also up and oh, god I hope he gets put in this year put that
2: man in the hall of fame um, for the love of god if there's
0: anyone more deserving yeah. but it's one of the main criteria that should be looked at to quote you is can you tell the story of the NFL without them bingo and I think as much as that applies to Jerry Kramer, I think you're right. And I think that applies to Wes Welker.
2: See, that's what I was thinking. That's where, that's where my mind went. Because every time you hear somebody talk about, well, he, he could be the next great slot receiver, he looks like a, a young Wes Welker. Wes Welker I, I popularized think... the slot receiver position. Like, before that, I yeah. can't think of anybody else other than that that made the slot receiver a thing. To where now defenses are drafting cornerbacks high in the draft to just be a slot corner to cover that yeah, slot mean, guy. In effect, was Welker Wes the first? Wilker,
0: I think he was the first that became the most prominent. Yeah, because you know, I mean in the, in the seventies, especially with that uh, the uh, Steeler offense post seventy eight rule changes with the deep ball. Mm-hmm. I think in the 7th, the late 70s going into the 80s, a lot of the 90s with, you know, Favre being at the height of his powers, it was all about the guys on the outside.
2: Yeah, it always had It been. was your
0: it was your wide outs. And, you know, even going into the late 90s and early 2000s. But You didn't really hear about the guys inside. And, you know, even back then, we didn't see as many of the five-wide sets as we do now and four-wide sets and whatnot. But I think, yeah, Wes Welker, he, at least in my mind. popularized. in, In my time that I've been watching football, Wes Welker's the guy that stands out as the first notable and probably the most famous and prototypical slot receiver we've seen to the point that it's become a premier position. I mean, you got Julian Edelman out there, you had um Victor Cruz when he was still mm-hmm. playing in the prime of his career as a slot receiver. I mean, you even, got a guy guys like, like, uh, even a guy like even Steve
2: Smith. Yeah, even a guy um, like Antonio Brown. He's mostly yeah. he plays mostly in the slot
0: because he's well, just... guys like him, um
2: Cobb, Cobb.
0: Uh, you know, even it's even becoming in vogue now to move some of the outside the numbers guys as they start to age into the slot. Yeah, Larry like Fitzgerald they started to do with Jordy Nelson, Larry, Larry Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think he does. I think he should be in.
2: I do too, and it goes back to like I said. Can you tell the story of the NFL with, with without this guy? And I don't think you can. I think once you get into the two thousands and you get into that Patriots sixteen and zero offense and yeah. And how they utilize the slot position, Wes Welker. I mean, you, that's that's just the guy that comes to mind. The only other guy that I could think of that may have been before him, possibly Brandon Stokely. Mm, yeah, maybe, but I don't think kind he of. was. He's nearly as synonymous with the slot I, yeah, receiver position as Wes, Wes Stokely, Welker. Is.
0: I don't think Stokely did for the position what Welker did. Yeah. He was good. Oh yeah, I am not going to take that away from him. He was a great receiver, but he didn't do for that position what Wes Welker did.
2: Yeah. So, I don't know, just, just just something for everybody to chew on. Well, What do you think? Yeah. Hit us up on Twitter and let us know if you think Wes Welker should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, but uh, just to wrap up the uh, Seahawks game here, um, I like we're off to a good start. 1-0. Well, let's keep it yeah. going, going into the, the Falcons on Sunday. But before we get to the Falcons game on Sunday Night Football, uh, we get uh, a little game. I guess not really a game. But uh, a little segment just on something the show. We like to do, yeah. Just a little segment here on the show to uh, to help wrap up the week um, of football for the Packers, and it's it's it's, it's a little segment called First Word, uh, which you know is pretty much the final word <laughs> on, on First last week's word game. Final word. So, uh, what we do here, uh, me and Ty. I don't know what the subject Ty wants to bring up. Ty does know the subject that I want to bring up, but it. it has to do with the, the previous game and the previous week. And w- what we're going to do is uh, I'll give Ty, Ty a subject, and Ty has to give me the first word that pops into his head uh, to summarize uh, what he feels on that subject. Uh, so we're, we're going to try this out. It's been a while since we've done this, but uh, I will go first. Um get you ready. We already talked about this guy a little bit earlier, but uh, this is probably going to be one of the, the last times we talk about him uh, you know, other than maybe a, for comedic effect, but first word, uh, Eddie Lacey. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I guess that's you all you got to that. say. That's
2: all you got to say. Ha 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 All caps.
0: Yeah, it's all one word. Hyphen. It's hyphenated. <laughs> it's one word. Ha ha ha. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just he. He is what he is.
2: Is he done? Do you think, is, is he done? I
0: think Eddie Lacy won't be a Seahawk by week 10.
2: Really? You think they'll look cut him by then? I think it's possible. It would not
0: surprise me, because I think this was a letdown, and it would not surprise me if he started to gain weight back, if he started to get discouraged. I don't want that for anybody. I'm not wishing that on him. I want to make that clear. I don't wish any bad on anybody. Yeah. I'm just calling it like I see it and like I saw it in Green Bay. And Eddie's a good and dude. Also... Eddie's a good dude. Yeah, Eddie's mm-hmm. a good dude. Eddie's a he's a very nice dude. He's a good guy. I don't wish him any harm. I just know what I saw in Green Bay. I think he'll yeah. be injured within the next four or five weeks. And I think the weight will start to come back because of the injury. And I think the Seahawks, are, they very well may end up cutting and running before the season's over with. Yeah. I think the same thing's going to happen with Peterson in New Orleans. Though I think he, I don't think he'll last the season there. So, yeah, I don't
2: know. I, I could see it. I, 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 I but I, that would be just that would suck for him. You know.
0: Yeah, it would. But, but. oh well, it's a business. It is. All right, well, that's my first word on first and final word on Eddie Lacy. Ha ha. <laughs> um.
2: Nanny, nanny, boo, boo. <laughs>
0: yeah. There, there you go. And for your first and final word on this game, Mike. All right. Randall Cobb's performance. Hmm.
2: Uh, God, that's tough. Uh. God, nothing comes to mind other than kind of the same way with you. Ha, 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 ha.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That would have been my first word. Ha,
2: ha. Nanny, nanny, boo-boo. Stick your head in doo-doo. For all the doubters and everybody that's down on Randall Cobb, Randall Cobb, when he's healthy and put into the game plan and used the way he was on Sunday, you see what Randall Cobb can be and how valuable he is to this team. So... To everybody out there that's saying we should trade Randall Cobb or cut Randall Cobb or Randall Cobb is, you know, in the decline or whatever, everybody calm down. Randall Cobb is fine. Randall Cobb is a, an important cog to this offense, especially with Martellus Bennett out there opening things up over the middle. Um, and, and to me, Cobb was the most valuable most valuable receiver
0: uh, on oh, the yeah. team. Most targets, most catches, most yards. He didn't get that touchdown, but, man – and it just shows his value he can take a 5-yard catch and turn it into 29 in a blink of an eye
2: yeah yeah and we saw that on the first drive that, that big yeah. play he got where he just got open in that in that zone defense found found the hole and and took it off with uh, with Bennett blocking for him so
0: well and, and one he had a uh, Richard Sherman on him covering him from the slot and he he beat Sherman he put the move on Sherman where and that's Cobb's agility he's not He's not a guy who's gonna burn you the way that Antonio Brown may burn you with pure speed. He's fast, but he's not a pure speed guy. But man, his agility and his quickness—he put that turn on Richard Sherman and left him behind.
2: Yeah. What, what's the what's the term? He's more quick than fast. Yeah. Yeah. That that's Randall Cobb. Uh, just so my first and final word on Randall Cobb's performance is ha 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 nanny nanny boo boo stick your head and doo doo. <laughs> <laughs> Cobb's Cubs back, and he ain't going anywhere. Well said. Ain't going anywhere. So uh, <laughs> that that segment uh, was brought to you by uh, Child's Play. That was a very uh, childlike, <laughs> childlike segment there, where our only responses were ha 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 and nanny nanny. Boogie. Our
0: secondary sponsor, Lo Cool J. Don't call it a comeback.
2: <laughs> He's been here the whole time. Uh. But, all right, we will be back. We're going to take a quick break for a word from our fake sponsors. But when we come back, we're going to give you a preview of the Packers at the Falcons Sunday Night Football, opening up the brand-new Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. How can the Packers win this game and spoil the Falcons' debut? We will let you know after a word from our fake sponsors.
1: Settle back while Marlboro takes you to Chicago's Wrigley Field. Here, one of pro football's most versatile halfbacks broke an all-time National Football League scoring record. Meet Paul Hornung of the Green Bay Packers. Settle back, Paul, with your Marlboro. December 4th, 1960, the Packers against the Chicago Bears. Remember? This was the run that shattered the record. 176 points scored in a single season. Guess you felt pretty good about that score, Paul. Sure did. And I feel pretty good about this cigarette, too. How's that Marlboro song go? You get a lot to like. Filter, flavor, pack or box. Marlboro. Mr. Butkiss, contemplating buying the all-new Cutlass Supreme? But of course, Mr. Nitschke. Outside, simply stunning. And inside, chic. Front-wheel drive for exquisite handling. And Motor Trend made it their winner in styling and design. Drive the all-new Cutlass Supreme at your old's reliables. It's the car created for a person with taste. That leaves you out, Butkus. Mr. Butkus.
2: All right, we're back, everybody, and uh, we are ready to get into the Packers and the Falcons. Sunday Night Football... The grand opening of the brand new Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Uh, for the second year in a row, week two, the Packers have to go on the road to open up a new stadium against a formidable opponent. Uh, how do you feel about that?
0: Just you know, a weird I, coincidence. I don't think the schedule maker did us any favors. That's for sure. But yeah. it, it is a you know it's a fast track. Um, I ain't. Just to get into the preview a little bit, I think we may see more of Trevor Davis and Geronimo Allison. Both of those guys seem to do well on artificial turf, as we saw last year. But you know, yeah, I think I don't know. It's it's going to be a an electric environment, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, I think that may be the biggest, maybe the biggest thing for the Packers to overcome. You know, yeah. the Falcons are a good team. Not, no, not under, they beat us twice last year. Um, yeah. But, you know, the, just the energy and the noise and just the emotion of opening up a new stadium, uh, you know, it's hard to overcome. The Packers found that out last year uh, against Minnesota. Uh, oh, but, definitely. Uh, you know, uh, how, how much of an impact do you feel like that's going to have uh, on this game?
0: I mean, I'm not going to underrate it and say it's going to have no impact, but I think this is a, um, I think it's a pretty veteran-laden team at this point. I think we've got more vets on this team than we have at many times in the past. Yeah. So I, I think we've got the leadership and the veteran presence in that locker room and in the huddle to do a lot to counteract what, what they may try to do there. And Aaron Rodgers and this team, I mean, they handle – The silent count really well, we've seen that in the past. So, I'm not uh, worried too terribly much about it.
2: Does the fact that they went into Minnesota and opened up the U.S. Bank Stadium last year does does that give the Packers uh, any maybe not an edge but uh, you know a a feeling of been here done that before we know we know how it's going to be.
0: You know what I'm saying? I hadn't really thought about it, but I think it may. You know, the majority of this team was there for that last year. I think they, they'll they have a good feeling of how it's going to be. And that was a divisional game. Yeah. So, it, it's going to be interesting to see. I think they're going to handle it well enough.
2: Yeah, I, I, think, I think they'll be fine. Um, like you said, I think it's going to come down to time of possession. Uh, and, you know, the Packers are pretty good at that. We saw that at the end of the Seahawks game when they were able to just oh, sew man. it away, you know, uh, with the run and, game and the quick passing game.
0: Yeah, and they dominated the Seahawks with time of possession. Part of that was the defense getting off the field quickly. The other part of it was the offense, especially in the second half, um, using more traditional huddle and less no huddle. And with the personnel that's on this team this year, with especially the, the additions of uh, Bennett and Kendricks and moving Montgomery to running back, who can split out wide as we saw plenty in the Seahawks game, they, they went to five wide way more than I thought they would. Yeah, But they can come out in a traditional huddle more often now and still vary their sets all over the place with one personnel set without having to go no huddle or super up-tempo. And if they can do anything remotely like they did to Seattle with Atlanta and really control that time of possession, I think that's going to do a lot to decide the outcome of this game.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think it's definitely going to be important, but I-, I think, you know, just going back to th- to the NFC Championship game last year and uh, and even the game that they played earlier in the year, uh, I-, I think the big question, you know, they did a- they did a pretty good job of it in the first game, but the NFC title game it just it just went overboard.
0: But, I think they just ran out of gas at that point yeah, with the injuries uh, and everything else.
2: But do you feel like the secondary is ready for, for Julio Jones in this passing attack? Because, uh, you know, we, we talked about it earlier. Ladarius Gunter, we, we've mentioned this before on numerous occasions, but Ladarius Gunter was was the number one cornerback in that game yeah. trying to cover Julio Jones. It's a little bit of a different situation now. Um, but do you feel like with the, with the additions of Devon House and uh, Kevin King, even and, and you know this team being just healthier overall, how do you feel like this? How confident are you in this secondary going up against Julio Jones and and the rest of this these receivers?
0: A lot more confident than I was in the NFC title game. Well, yeah, I think the addition <laughs> of Devon House is going to be big because I mean when you think back to it, when he was with Green Bay he was generally the guy to take on that assignment. He's played a lot of ball against Calvin Johnson. He actually played and played pretty well against Julio Jones in the past. He played a lot of ball against Alshon Jeffrey. And this is a guy who's played against big receivers. He's a strong dude. He's really good on the jam and sticking with guys man-to-man. And I think the improved play of Randall and Rollins is going to factor into this too. And with that Nitro Package... We don't know what we're going to see. I mean, Atlanta has a whole games worth of tape on it right now, but it's still an evolving thing and I think we may offer you know a bit more pass rush and strength up front than we had last year too.
2: Yeah, I think being healthy definitely helps, but you know like you said I, I feel much better going into this game, especially after what we just saw in, in the Seattle game. If the defense can play up to par like that, especially when you look at you know the Falcons were only able to hang twenty three on the Bears. You
0: know? Yeah, and you know we talked about during the break, uh, during the fake sponsor spot, the <laughs> the Bears defense is not in the class of Seattle's defense just yet. They're good. I'm not going to take you away from them. They're they're, 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 good. An they're defense. They are definitely their arrows pointing up.
2: Couldn't name you one player in their secondary, but th- no,
0: uh, but. They are on the way up. They're an ascending defense, but they're not Seattle. Yeah. And uh, you know, for Atlanta, and they also played on grass. Atlanta's not as good on natural grass outside either. These all these sissy dome teams running around out here. <laughs> uh, but you know, I I I think this is also a thing where our defense may look even faster on a fast track surface like this because we've got some guys that can run. Yeah. I'm I'm especially interested to see if Josh Jones sees the field in this game with his speed and you know if he can make any kind of impact. But um I think we're gonna see a lot of nitro. Looking at the stats. Um, Atlanta, you know, I, I think it, it's favorable because against the Bears they only put up two more yards of total offense than we did against Seattle. Um, We put up 26 first downs against Seattle to Atlanta's 18 first downs against Chicago. And they only mustered up 64 rushing yards. So the thing that I'm looking at is I think that with our defensive front especially, I think we can stop the run well out of the Nitro package. I think that's the theme that's going to continue, especially with Perry, uh, Mike Daniels, and... Big Kenny Clark in there, and the addition of Quentin Dial. I yeah, think we can make gonna Atlanta one-dimensional.
2: We're going to have to make them one-dimensional because that's where Matt Ryan is uh, makes his money. Is when they have a run game and they can run the ball yeah. and he can do the play action. Matt Ryan yeah. is amazing, and when it comes to the play action pass, you go all the way back to you know the NFC Championship game when the Packers won the Super Bowl, or the NFC Divisional game, I should say. Yeah, uh, that was when they had Michael Turner they they were one of the top running teams in the league and they that play action pass is, is was their bread and butter they're still that team but the the question mark that I have about the Falcons offense is that there's there's one huge huge key loss that they had this offseason and that's offensive coordinator Kyle Shanahan who's now the head yeah. coach of the San Francisco 49ers Um They got, uh, who is it, Steve uh, Sarkeesian, I guess, is their their new offensive offensive coordinator. So my big question is, especially coming off the Chicago Bears game where they almost lost, um, how much of an effect does Kyle Shanahan's uh, exit have on this offense? Because Kyle Shanahan is is a hell of an offensive coordinator. Uh, Everywhere he's gone, he's had success. And with him being gone and a new guy coming in, Uh, How much of an effect is that going to have on this Falcons offense?
0: I think it may have a similar effect on this Falcons offense in the same way that... um, Damn it. And I had his name in my head just then. He left us to coach the Dolphins. Oh, Joe Philbin. (laughs) Yeah, Joe Philbin. I knew it was Joe. Joe something. It just... Brain fart there. But yeah, the way that we (laughs) saw this team kind of sputter that next season after Philbin left... Yeah, I think that can kind of it may have the same effect maybe not quite as much as it did on, on the Packers that year but it may have somewhat of the same effect on the Falcons because Matt Ryan was very comfortable in that system you know he got his MVP in that system and you know they like I said the Bears are an ascending defense but they're not on Seattle's level and there were times in that game that Atlanta struggled especially in the run game. And, you know, they've still got their their returning faces, and Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. But, you know, 64 yards, 2.8 yards of carry is all they mustered up against that Bears defense. And I think we're going to be able to make them one-dimensional.
2: Yeah, and you talk about uh, Shanahan's exit, the effect it it's going to have on Matt Ryan. Uh, I think it's going to have an even bigger effect on Julio Jones. Julio Jones, uh, over the past, over the two seasons that that Shanahan was the offensive coordinator for the Falcons, Julio Jones blew up because Shanahan oh, yeah. uses Shanahan is his offense is predicated on you look to your to your ex receiver first, and Julio yeah. Jones was that ex receiver, and he got you know got ten twelve catches a game in that system. Um so I think that could be a big thing because I don't think he had—I don't have the numbers in front of me. If you want to look at him real quick, but I don't think Julio Jones had nearly the game against Chicago that that he that he's had. I mean, the I'm, past couple I'm of looking years. at their
0: receivers. Their leading receiver catch wise was Mohamed Sanu. He had six receptions for 47 yards. Um, Austin Hooper—he he had that one huge 88 yard. Yeah deal there he only you know he had the two receptions for 128 yards and a touchdown but jones was held to 40 uh to 44 <laughs> four receptions for 66 yards with a long of 25 and no touchdowns they held him out of the end zone
2: yeah and like i said who who are the bears secondary right now <laughs> who are their cornerbacks i couldn't name you one off the top of my head
0: yeah i mean i think their top dude is oh um this his name white the young guy i think he's a second year guy no clue. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's not Bears <laughs> week. Uh, but, you know, but, but, yeah, but the I point mean, is
2: that the, the, I think Kyle Shanahan deserves a whole lot of credit for how good this Falcons offense has been over the past couple oh, of years. And his, by and large. And him being gone, I think is going to play a, a much bigger role. And I think I, I think last week when we went over our uh, our season predictions, neither of us had the Falcons in the playoffs. I thought that no. was interesting. That was no, something we, we didn't. didn't even really discuss. But neither of us had the Falcons in the playoffs. And it's not – you know, you can point to the Super Bowl hangover when you blow uh, a lead like they had to, to lose a Super Bowl. There's going to be yeah. that Super Bowl hangover. But I think, you know, just as much uh, of, of my uh, – uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not s- skepticism. Uh, my skepticism of the Atlanta yeah. Falcons is the loss of Kyle Shanahan.
0: So Well, in – you know, it's the thing, too, where they gave up two sacks to the Bears. So I think if we can stop the run and make them one-dimensional pretty early, mm-hmm. like we did to Seattle, I think that's when our guys can really start. I think they'll be able, if the defense plays even decent compared to what they did this past Sunday against Seattle, I think they'll be able to start pinning their ears back towards the you know middle of the second quarter to try to get to Matt Ryan. I don't think Atlanta's going to have much success trying to run the ball at all Sunday night.
2: Yeah, I think we I think we can stop the run and force them to be one-dimensional. Now, you know, you, you, you say, oh, be one-dimensional Atlanta Falcons. You look at all the weapons that they have on offense, and you're like, well, yeah. yeah. But at the same time, our secondary didn't have uh, an interception in the Seahawks game. I, I – as good as as good as our secondary plays, and as, especially looking at the preseason and the turnovers that they generated and the interceptions they generated, uh, I could see I could see our defense
0: getting a number of turnovers in this game. I could too, because in that Seattle game, there weren't that many opportunities for interceptions. So many of the balls that Russell Wilson threw were throwaway. Yeah, he threw them right into the sidelines. You know, there are a couple I thought that should have been intentional grounding, but we're past that. So uh but yeah, I and I think Matt Ryan is a guy that you can frustrate and once he gets frustrated, as efficient as he tends to be, he's also one that when he's frustrated and pressed, he may start pushing and trying to you know, press the issue to fit a ball in somewhere that it doesn't need to be. Yeah. And that's when the turnovers happen.
2: Yeah, uh, you know. uh,
0: Especially if the man beast is right in his face as he's trying to throw a ball.
2: Yeah, yeah. And speaking of, uh, he's three and zero so far. Who'd win in a fight, Mike Daniels or the Plants from The Happening?
0: Really, (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a good matchup. I don't know. It's it's an interesting matchup. The most the plants from the happening are going to do is make Mike Daniel sneeze, and that's just going to piss him off even more. <laughs> and then
2: he's going to he's going to let off a pheromone that that kills every plant in his vicinity. So uh, yeah,
0: so I, I mean he's gaining powers like Superman at this point. <laughs> it's not slowing down.
2: Yeah, yeah, he, he's he's going to kill the artificial turf uh at at the, the Falcons new stadium. So And it's
0: not even alive. It's just gonna die on its
2: own. Yeah, it's just gonna melt. I don't know, whatever whatever <laughs> turf does when you burn it. But uh so yeah, four and oh Mike Daniels, uh undefeated. Um but, you know, we are moving on to the offensive side of the ball for the Packers going up against this Falcons defense. I think we kind of yeah. touched on it a minute ago, but I think the biggest the biggest problem that our offense is going to have is crowd noise. And the yeah. Falcons pass rush because Vic Beasley is uh, is a very good pass rusher and the Falcons do have a very underrated defense. A lot of their a lot of their success making it to the Super Bowl last year was predicated on their defense. Now, you might want to we talked about the Super Bowl hangover and giving up the big lead to New England and losing the Super Bowl the way they did. You gotta wonder if any of that has more of an uh, mental effect on the Falcons' defense than the offense, because of course you know the defense is there. Like we had, the, we had the game sewn up, and we we we, we gave it away. So, uh, how do you feel about Aaron Rodgers and the offensive line and these receivers going up against not only the Falcons' pass rush and, and the defense as a whole, but the crowd noise because uh, you know um, it's going to be loud.
0: I'm actually pretty excited. Um, they gave up three hundred and one yards to Mitchell Trubisky and the Bears, and <laughs> oh no, that's total offense. My bad, Mitch didn't play that good. I gave him way too much credit there. Well, uh, Mitch didn't but, play. It was actually uh, oh, Mike Glennon. Oh no, Lennon. it was Glennon, wasn't it? Yeah,
2: Mike Glennon. So
0: see, it's I don't even care. It doesn't matter who was in there. One <laughs> um, of those. What, those what sticks out to me is they gave up one hundred and twenty-five rushing yards. So you're saying Ty Montgomery is gonna have a big game, eh? I'm saying this is the game where Ty Montgomery is definitely established as a running back, and all the fools out there in those announcer booths, (coughs) Troy Eggman, (coughs) Joe Buck, are going to stop calling him a converted wide receiver. It's time to put that to bed. Every time I hear it, and it aggravates the hell out of me, uh, Ty Montgomery in the game, a converted wide receiver, he's a running back, man.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you're saying this is the game where he has nine carries for uh, 187 yards and, and a 23 yards? Uh, you know, we'll, we'll
0: just go ahead and give him about 400 <laughs> yards on the game. But no, I think I think he proved this past week he can be the workhorse. And you know he didn't gain all the yards against Seattle. Not a lot of people are going to this year. But he kept pushing. He got some first downs. That six-yard touchdown run was a tough run. And he powered mm-hmm. his way in there. And I think it's also going to be, be a thing where we didn't really mention it covering the Seattle game, but he's a matchup nightmare. And he even was for that Seahawks defense. One play that really sticks out to me that I think we're going to see more of this year is the swing pass out to him on the outside because he took off. Stiff on one guy to the ground, just put his shoulder in and spun off another guy. And then had he not gotten horse-collared out of bounds – that was Which, going for a touchdown.
2: Yeah, that was impressive. I thought that should have yeah. been a horse collar or something. Yeah. But, and you had, know, had, if had that night, wouldn't happen, he was off the braces. He was, off he was braces. Gone
0: Yeah. Because, I mean, he put – the stiff arm was impressive enough, but when the next guy came in, he put that shoulder down and just knocked that dude out of bounds. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he tossed him aside like an empty beer can. And, I mean, it. he's a running back. And I think that gets established in this game. I think they continue to use him in that role because we saw Rodgers split him out wide and go from a one-back backfield to an empty backfield real quick, and it caused all kinds of problems. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I I think it's going to be very important for us to establish the run in this game, to to, to offset the crowd noise in the past for our shuttle Falcons.
0: That's going to take a lot out.
2: Yeah, especially after you you know, what we discussed earlier with Bakhtiari being limited in practice and Balaga the possibility of Balaga missing another game. If we have if both of our starting offensive tackles are out out in this game, uh, that's gonna worry me. That's gonna be that's gonna be scary <laughs> for me. Yeah, it,
0: it will be, um you know, they, they only said Bakhtiari was a limited participant, so I don't know. He's a tough dude. We've seen him play through a lot of things before, much in the same way that TJ Lang has done in the past. So I don't really look for Bakhtiari to miss. I hope not. I think they promoted Panky from the practice squad as kind of an insurance deal because of Spriggs more so than Bakhtiari. Yeah. But I'm not as worried with Kyle Murphy being in there at right tackle as I was going into the Seattle game. Because after halftime, he just... He seemed like he really shook the nerves and just really settled in, and played a very very good second half.
2: Yeah, uh, I felt like you. I felt like he played decent. I'd feel a lot better if Balaga was back out well, there. Oh yeah, of course.
0: But uh, you know,
2: if if I'm okay if we got Baktiari and Kyle Murphy, I'm I'm okay. But if it, we got Kyle Murphy and Adam Hankey or whatever his name is, uh, yeah, I'll be sweating. then. Yeah, just just. Take Aaron Rodgers out of the game. Put Brett Hundley in there, so we we don't get our quarterback killed and, and we ruin the entire season. Uh, that's yeah. right, that's where I'm at on that point. Um, but yeah, I think establishing the run with Montgomery is going to be huge. Um, and I think I think we match up well with their, especially with Geronimo Allison coming back. I think Allison's going to have a big impact on this game coming back because he he played well against Atlanta last year. Uh, yeah, he,
0: he uh, first first NFL game, first touchdown catch. Mm-hmm. And he has added some shiftiness to his game. He is no longer, and he made a point to say it, he's no longer going to be just the the big possession receiver. He's looking to get yards now. He understands the offense more. Um, He said, I think today in an interview, he wasn't allowed to be at the stadium on game day, but he watched it from home and he was calling the plays out. You know, 90% of the plays they ran were what he was calling out at home. He understands the offense much better than last year, and he feels like that's going to allow him to have his eyes downfield more and head up looking to make guys miss as opposed to just, oh, my God, I hope I'm running the right route.
2: Yeah, and we saw that in the preseason. So I'm hoping he carries that over into the regular season. He's ready to go. Because I think having – with him being the fourth receiver with Nelson, Cobb, Adams, and then Allison as the fourth receiver, and then, you know – Trevor Davis played well against Atlanta last year. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I like our matchups there. I know uh, the Falcons have a pretty good secondary. I like uh, Keanu Neal quite a bit and uh, Desmond yeah. Trufant. Uh, they, trust me, this Falcons defense is very formidable. I'm, I'm still a little iffy, though, on, on whether they've shaken uh, the Super Bowl loss. But they, they held up against the Bears last week, uh, where you thought that most defenses would have just given up and given up the touchdown. Yeah to 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 lose the game, but and I'm sure they were starting to have some flashbacks of <laughs> of, oh, yeah. of when, spoiling another game, but
0: but this this is also an Aaron Rodgers led team that is absolutely loaded with weapons this year. Much different, much uh, much taller task to yeah. take on than the Bears' offense.
2: Yeah, I expect this game to be a little a little bit closer uh, than the NFC Championship game last year. It's, yeah. It's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a different type of game. I still think it's going to be a fairly high-scoring game. I think our defense I think this one could be, yeah. I think it'll be, you know, I don't think it's going to be a shootout. You know, I think I no. think both defenses are are playing well enough to avoid that.
0: But I think it's still going to be like It'll not be 17-9. No, it,
2: it's going to be more of like a 28-24, uh, you know, 31-27, something like that, you know. Uh, I think it'll be in that area. Kind of, I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna look like the the game that they played last year in the regular season more so than the game I they played in the MC title game. Um, but who? Uh, you asked me this last week. I'm gonna ask you: Who are you uh, most afraid of? Who is the biggest threat uh, on this Falcons offense that you are most worried about going into this game?
0: Well, honestly, you know, traditional logic points you to Julio Jones, but I have to go back to last year in the regular season, not so much the playoff game because Jones lit us up, but in the regular season, um, you know, Gunter didn't do too bad against Jones in that game, but it was Muhammad Sanu that really did some damage because we just weren't deep enough to cover. Yeah. But, um, you know, Sanu, like you talked about Doug Baldwin last week, Muhammad Sanu is a very good route runner. He's, I think he's an underrated kind of guy. He's still got plenty left in the tank you know he led the team in receptions against chicago and i think he's going to be the guy that we're going to have to make sure that we don't forget about while everybody else is more worried about jones
2: yeah i uh i like to a lot i think taylor gabriel the deep speed demon that they got yeah uh, i think he beat us uh, in the in, uh, for a, t- a long touchdown last year um, but outside of the receivers, uh, I think I think we just what we talked about a minute ago, I think slowing down the running game is going to be important. And, uh, you know, if these running backs, Tevin Coleman and uh, Devontae Freeman get going, I think that's going to be the, our biggest threat. If Devontae Freeman starts running downhill and then there's openings for him to go and they start to get that run game churning, that's my biggest threat. Uh, <clears throat> Freeman more so than Coleman. Coleman's more of a receiving yeah. back, but, you know, I think – Especially if we're running the Nitro package, if we have a guy like Morgan Burnett or even Blake Martinez. Martinez is a pretty damn good cover cover linebacker as well. Well,
0: and Joe Thomas, too.
2: Joe Thomas, yeah. Which We didn't see much of Joe Thomas in the, in the, no. in the Seattle game. So,
0: Well, and here's the thing, too, to think about for this game. If they need to, if they need to slow down the running game and need a little bit more oomph than maybe the Nitro package is giving them, they have another package that they have yet to debut. <laughs> they call it the Sooner Package. I don't know why, but that's what they call it. And it is the base 3-4 with a nitro twist. They take out a middle linebacker and put Morgan Burnett in there and Kentrell Bryce at the strong, but with a traditional 3-4 front with the three-down linemen.
2: That's interesting, dude. You know, do you feel like the Packers are... Almost at a point now where they are mimicking the New England Patriots, where they have players on a team that are good at a certain thing, and depending on the game plan and how the game goes, determines on whether or not we see that player. Because you got a guy like Joe Thomas, and like you said, Jake Ryan only played a handful of snaps in this game, which I'm sure if we were playing a team like... Uh, you know, the Carolina Panthers or are, are the Tennessee Titans, a good running team, we'll see a lot more of Jake Ryan. Or even, you know, you, uh, we, we didn't even discuss this, but we barely saw any of Aaron Ripkowski, uh against the yeah. Seahawks. So do you think the Packers are almost at that point now where they're kind of like the Patriots, where they have a player for every situation, depending on who they're playing?
0: I think that's the modern NFL. I think, you know, the Patriots are the perfect team to reference for that because they really started doing it first. yeah but um i think i think the packers and we've talked about it in the past i think it, for a while there especially in the the late 2000s going into 2010 2011 the rest of the league hadn't quite caught up to what they were doing at the time because they were doing some some really creative things but i think in the past couple years the rest of the league has started to really catch up to what green bay had been doing yeah and i think this is the next step in that evolution. I think with the personnel they have on offense, we're going to see a return. And we, we did some in this game. Yeah. We still saw a lot of the three receiver sets, but we saw a lot of variations in formations from the offense and a lot to do with Martellus Bennett. But I think we're going to see a lot of that return to the creativity from McCarthy and the different things they want to do on offense. Mm -hmm. But I think this is the next step in the evolution of the defense in that Atlanta, I think, may have been more of the prototype for what they're trying to do, bringing in some guys who may not be huge but are big enough and are fast. Yeah, and I think like... that's where we're seeing Burnett move down. I think that's why they go out and they draft a guy like Josh Jones, like what um, Washington did, drafting Sue Cravens.
2: Yeah, I think that's just the way... I think you're right. That's just the way that the, the league's going. Um, I think it's smart. I think it's just trying to stay ahead of the curve and being ready. Because, like I said, that, that, uh, you're foolish if you're a team that says we are this type of team. This is what we're going to do, and blah blah blah. Sometimes you just gotta you you gotta play your matchup. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I mean it's a matchup league now. This isn't the '60s where, and I've learned so much from reading uh, When Pride Still Mattered. I'm right towards the end of it but Lombardi's philosophy was a minimum of plays with maximum amounts of options. Yeah, Simplified, but with options. And that was the same thing for the defense that he had Phil Bingston running. A minimum of plays with a, max, a maximum of options, ability and effort. You took what you wanted then if you were going to do it, just like they did with the Packers sweep. But now, even offense and defense, you can get in a situation where you can take what you want to do and do it. You can impose your will still. But at the same time, especially on defense now, you've got to be more flexible. You've got to have guys that you can plug in and maybe doesn't do one thing particularly well but has more of a Morgan Burnett type of deal to him where he can do this and he can do that yeah. and he may not be the best player at his position in the league for that but he does these three things really well even though he may not be all-star great
2: yeah i think i think it's just it comes down to being humble i think you, you got to be a, a bit of, yeah. it takes a little bit of humbleness you got to say well, look. If if we play a team this way, our guys aren't going to match up very well. So we got to play the team their way. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I think that's. I, I think it just comes down to that. But you know, just to 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 wrap up here this this preview of the Falcons game, I got one last question for you. All right. We're four zero so far. <laughs> Mike Daniels versus the Falcons offensive line. Who wins?
0: Mike Daniels.
2: <laughs> Not even a hesitation. This I Falcons offensive line is really good, though.
0: They were, you know, peop, I think, they're pretty good. They, they are, rated they pretty out good. pretty well last year. But I think, I think the offensive line that's going to give Mike Daniels his biggest test this season will be Dallas. Yeah, but I just think Mike Daniels is playing out of his mind, man. He's he's playing like a man possessed. Yeah, he, like we used to talk about with our guy uh, Carl Bradford in that preseason, he's playing like his hair's on fire. <laughs> well,
2: well, Jesus, we're, that's a hell of a reference. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
0: we just what we used to say about him. And, yeah, you know, I'm still sad that he he didn't make it, but because we were rooting for him. But um, yeah, <laughs> you know, Mike Daniels, he just he's on a mission, and he's he's always been intense. But man, I I've never seen this before. It's spectacular, and I hope—I only hope that we get to see it for the next as, seventeen weeks and beyond.
2: As dominant as Mike Daniels has been in his career, I feel like this is the first year that he's going to be grown man dominant. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> he's a grown ass man now. So. Yeah, and <sighs> so get ready, Falcons offensive line. You got a lot. You got, you got a lot on your plate this Sunday. Uh, but that takes us to. Our week two edition of the most popular game in Packers podcasting. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> I don't know from what review, but you know, I just figure it's very popular. But we're going to week two. We like it. Yeah, it's popular to us. So if you don't like it, uh, you know, unsubscribe and, and just just you know go just away. Go away. Just go away. You know, if you don't like stat lines, go away. But here we are, week two, Falcons Packers week two edition of stat lines. So last week, me and Ty hit it out of the park more so Ty than me, but I feel like I did fairly well. Ty, you were you almost you almost hit the uh, you almost hit a perfect one there with the Ty Montgomery. Yeah. So I'm excited to see uh, where your DeLorean has taken you this week. Uh, no promises. <laughs> you get, you got a you got a long way to go to. to to follow that performance last week, but we'll see how you yeah. do, uh, Ty. You go ahead and go first. Give us your stat lines for Week Two: Packers Falcons Sunday Night Football.
0: All right, Mike. I'm going to go back to the well with Mr. Ty Montgomery first on this week's edition of Stat Lines. Oh, of I think they're going to do. Um, they're going to try to do more. Oh, he's going to be my Randall Cobb this year. <laughs> um, I think they're going to do more to try to establish the run in this game. I think they're going to be more successful with it than they were against Seattle. So I'm going straight to the rushing yards with Montgomery. I think he ends up finishing this game with 76 rushing yards and another rushing touchdown to add to his tally for the season. That's my stat line on Montgomery. Of course he's gonna get some passing yards, but I'm trying to just fit that running back mold this week. Um going to the defense, I'm going with the, the guy on the outside, the the mean man on the edge, the contract player Nick Perry himself this week I think he pulls in a sack and two tackles for loss on the defensive side of the ball and then going to the tight end no Aaron Rodgers this week, I think Martellus Bennett may make a bigger dent in this game than he did against the Seahawks, I've got Bennett with four receptions for 64 yards and he's going to get that first touchdown as a Packer
2: All right, I like it. Ty Montgomery, 76 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown. Nick Perry, one sack, two tackles for a loss. And Martellus Bennett, four receptions, 64 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Those are Ty's stat lines for this week. I am going to start with Ty Montgomery as well. All right. (laughs) I'm going to take a page out of your book and uh, see if I can... uh, ride this Ty Montgomery wave uh, into week two. I got Ty Montgomery with 110 all-purpose yards. He's going to perform like it in Seattle. Uh, 110 all-purpose yards and one receiving touchdown for Ty Montgomery. Too. So he'll have one rushing, one receiving touchdown after two weeks of play. Not a bad start to the season for Ty Montgomery, if I may say so myself. Uh, my second stat line... I'm taking another page out of your book. I'm going with Randall Cobb. I think Randall Cobb is set to have another big performance. Seven receptions, 87 yards, one touchdown for number 18 himself, Randall Cobb. And my final stat line for week two. This one may surprise you, but I liked what I saw in week one against the Seahawks, and I liked the way that uh, Dom Capers used him, Kyler Fackrell. They're gonna rush him from the inside again. They're gonna they're gonna use him the way they used him against Seattle. And I think he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna come up big. Six total tackles, one sack for Kyler Fackrell. Uh, so those are my stat lines for this week. Tom Montgomery, 110 all-purpose yards, one receiving touchdown. Randall Cobb, seven receptions, 87 yards and a touchdown. And Kyler Fackrell, six total tackles, one sack for number 51. Those are How your does? stat lines for week two, ladies and gentlemen.
0: A lot of eggs in that last basket, but I like the confidence there. I hope it plays out that way. I liked what I saw from Fackrell, I mean, I did too. He played well. And you know what stuck out to me is on the forced fumble play, Fackrell drew the double team. Yeah, surprisingly enough. That was interesting. I don't know what he was doing down there, what kind of smack he was talking to make them double team him, or if he may have been offering that kind of pressure, but they didn't like him being there enough that they double teamed him and i think he who knows it may be this week mike daniels draws the double team and Fackerel beats his man so yeah
2: i think i think fackrell uh, i think fackrell getting a double team is what they call earning respect I think. oh yeah <laughs> so if you're double teaming kyler fackrell uh he, he earns some respect down there in the field uh but those are your stat lines for week two as we get set for the packers falcons rematch sunday night football uh, everybody's gonna be able to see this one, and uh, I feel really good about it. I feel good about the Packers coming out on top this time. Um, you know, you can call me a fanboy or whatever you, want, you whatever you want, but uh, I'm telling you, man, that the, the Kyle Shanahan factor keep an keep keep that in the back of your mind as you watch this oh, game. Oh yeah. Uh, but uh, for everything, Green Bay Packers uh, throughout the season great stuff coming left and right every day it seems like there's something cool coming out on this website pack to the future.com. not only do you get our podcast you get three I was it three other podcast four other podcasts now I think uh, they keep adding I think so They're adding to the family you get podcasts articles uh, all kinds of cool stuff pack to the future.com. check it out follow us on Twitter at blue cheese radio at titown tie at Radiation Mike. Uh we're always available for conversation. And uh, you can always uh, just send your questions and and check out what what we're up to. Uh, Facebook.com backslash bluecheeseradio. When the show drops, you will find out on Facebook first. Uh, iTunes, subscribe. Unless you don't like stat lines, then just go away. Uh, But hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review. And, uh, of course, the Blue Cheese Mailbag, always open for business, at askbluecheese at gmail.com. Send us your questions. We'll answer them here on the show. Uh, but that's going to do it for us on this edition uh, of Blue Cheese Radio. I feel like I got through it much better than I expected. I was feeling like complete garbage uh, yeah. coming into this, but uh, we've done about two hours of a show here now, and I, I, feel, uh, I feel great. Uh, talk,
0: yeah, Talking Packers does that. I feel that good. Quantum. I'm just ready to go to bed.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm ready to lay down, lay my head down and get ready for Sunday. So, uh Ty, that's it for me. You got anything left you uh you want to bring up or uh, say before we uh sign off?
0: Yeah, I just uh one more little ha ha, nanna boo boo about <laughs> all the Randall Cobb haters out there in the off season. Take that and have that in your dinner. Uh <laughs> if you don't like sat Lines, you're you're probably just a salty Seattle fan, you can just go bury your hand head in the sand out there in the Seattle sound. Yeah. Go watch soccer. I don't care. You have a soccer team.
2: Just yeah. get
0: away from here. If you if you don't like but
2: stat that... lines, after Ty's performance last week, uh, we Ty knows what he's talking about, folks. If we're, if we're giving you the stat lines, you better believe that there's a there's some validity to it. So uh, get on board. Get on get on get on the hype train. Not the Janice hype train, but the stat line hype train.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so that's to do
2: it for us this week. Uh, we'll be back next week to review the Falcons game and uh, move on to week three. Uh, but until then, I'm Mike. And I'm Ty.
1: And there is your dagger! And no, 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 no. no, no, no. Here's how it's done. And there is your dagger!